Thank you so much for joining us for this week's message from Real Life Community, where we talk about connecting with God and others, growing in Christ-likeness, and sharing God's life with the world. My name is Sarah Comer, and I serve each week as Connections Pastor, making sure that you know that there is a God and a community that loves you and wants to go through the seasons of life with you. You can find us at reallifecommunity.org, and we would love to meet you on Facebook or Instagram. Until then, we hope this message meets you right where you are and helps you know just how deep the Father's love is for you. Good morning. It is good to be with you all. Like Jeremy said, we, man, watching, I don't know. Not being here in person and knowing that you're all here having service is just a weird feeling. Uh, even on the Sunday that we were on vacation, we were missing you and praying for you. We did have a great time. We got to see some bears and even a bobcat, so it was pretty cool. Um, we have pictures of them, too. But before I go on any further, those of you who are watching online this morning, I need you to take just a minute, and I need you to go find a piece of paper and a pen. You're going to need it a little bit later in my message, and those of you that are in here, should have a piece of paper and a pen that were on your seat this morning. You're going to need those a little bit later. So grab those and pull those out. This week, we welcomed um, college students back all across the country, right? That's exciting. I, that was not a very good excitement about college students coming back. I know. But hold on. Listen. See, he wants something back there. That's my kid. Anyway, um, no, seriously, though, this week, we welcomed back Treveca students and MTSU students, let's, now let's hear a round of applause. There we go. You were, you were just waiting for the round of applause for Trevecca students. But seriously, I want to say thank you. There's a group of people who made cookies. And last week, um, I don't even know how many cookies showed up at our house. It was hundreds and hundreds of cookies, right? We did like 120 bags, I think. Actually, a total of about 170 bags of cookies that went out to students this week at Trevecca, and then we've got letters and some things that are gonna go out to students around here. Um, but we wanted students to know that there is this church in Murfreesboro, Tennessee, that fully believes in what they're doing. That we support them, that we would love to have them join us in worship if they want to, but if nothing else, we want them to know that they are in our prayers. And so last week we introduced the 1901 prayer. We hope that you've all set your alarm. And at 7.01 p.m. every night, we hope that you've stopped. We stopped, literally, I don't even know, we were doing something in the middle of it. We were walking through the grocery store last night, leaving Walmart, and the, and the thing went off, and we're like walking out of Walmart praying as a family together over, and it was like, and literally we'll go, okay, what are we praying for tonight? Last night it was the, the professors at Trevecca. 7.01 p.m. every night, stop what you're doing and spend some time praying over our students and our faculty and the things that are happening at Trevecca Nazarene University. We fully believe in the, in the work of our universities as a church, and we love what's happening there, and so we just want to continue to lift them up in prayer. But we want to be lifting up all of our college students, whether they're at Trevecca or not, because this is a challenging season of life. How many of you remember that season? How many of you remember how challenging it was to get into the books and to be disciplined and to do those things that you needed to do to finish a degree? Well, there, it's a new season for them. Because not only are they learning like, they, like we all did, but they're learning with masks on their face all the time. Their social life has been totally altered. And in addition to that, um, at least at Trevecca, they changed their whole session and they don't have one full semester, they have two seven-week sessions where they're cramming a whole semester into seven weeks. So as you're praying, add that to your specific prayer list because that's a challenge to be able to do. So let's be praying for those things for them. That was a freebie. All right, now on. 
Um, so this morning I want to share with you, we're going to be talking about not my will, but yours. We're continuing in the book of Mark in our series. Um, we're going to wrap up the end of September with this series, and we have loved journeying through Mark with you. And this morning, as we're talking, we're talking about prayer. And I want to, sh- the story that I have, I literally, I, I found myself in tears as I was working on it this week, but um, I still remember the very first day that we met her. Um, this absolutely adorable little girl came walking in the back of the church, into the, into the um, doors of the church, and we saw her through the glass windows. And as she walked in, her little curls bounced because she had the biggest head of curly hair I've ever seen on a little girl. And, but the best thing about it was she was so excited to be at church that her little curls bounce, you could see her curls bounce over the windowsill as she walked through the door, and you knew that she had come in that morning. Um, she had a smile on her face and a joy in her little heart that made you fall in love with her instantly, right? Um, sometimes she would come to church dirty, but you wouldn't know it. She'd put on her prettiest little outfit or dress or whatever it was because she was so excited to come to church. She couldn't wait to get to church, and one of the reasons she couldn't wait to get to church was because she got to see her Pastor Jeremy. I need to go see my Pastor Jeremy today. And so she would come in. The family member that brought her would often ask for prayers for her. Hey, we need to pray over her. We need to pray protection for her. Um, We began to hear of things that were happening in her home, and after a few years, we learned that she had been removed from her home. The story of an abuse and neglect that came out, you guys, it left us heartbroken. By the smile on that little girl's face, you would never know the things that she had endured at home. But I believe that our prayers as a church are part of what protected her. Our prayers as a church are part of um, what helped her continue to spread her joy to others. Regardless um, of what had happened, though, she was gone from our church family. We'll get back to my little friend in just a little bit. As you engage in the sermon this morning, I'm going to guess that some of you are going to think of times where maybe you asked God for something. You prayed a prayer, and you saw God move in mighty ways. You could stand up here and preach this morning about how God moves through prayer. Some of you may stand, you may be thinking, man, I asked God for something, and he never answered me. Some of you may be thinking, I asked God for something, and whoa, did he answer, but it wasn't anything like I thought it was going to be, right? Have you ever had that expectation of how God's going to answer a prayer, and he answers it totally different? Yeah. I've been thinking about these things all week as I worked on the sermon. So turn with me this morning to Mark chapter 14, verses 32 through 42. They went to a place called Gethsemane, and Jesus said to his disciples, Sit here while I pray. He took Peter, James, and John along with him, and he began to be deeply distressed and troubled. My soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death, he said to them. Stay here and keep watch. Going a little farther, he fell to the ground and prayed that if possible, the hour might pass from him. Abba, Father, he said, everything is possible for you. Take this cup from me. Yet not what I will, but what you will. Then he returned to his disciples and found them sleeping. Simon, he said to Peter, are you asleep? 
Couldn't you keep watch for one hour? Watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Once more, he went away and prayed the same thing. And when he came back, he found them again sleeping because their eyes were heavy and they did not know what to say to him. Returning the third time, he said to them, are you still sleeping and resting? Enough, the hour has come. Look, the son of man is delivered into the hands of sinners. Rise, let us go. Here comes my betrayer. This is the word of the Lord for the people of the Lord and we all say together, thank you, Jesus. So as we've gone through our study of the book of Mark, um, one thing that we've learned is that Jesus often withdrew from the crowd, right? He, had to, he would uh, pull himself away and spend a few minutes just in quiet and in solitude and in prayer. This time is no different. Um, this is probably an important practice for us to model, right? If we're seeing this frequently in the word that we should be doing this ourselves. Jesus said, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Up until this point in, in the um, Gospels, we have seen an unshakable Jesus who fully understands God's will for him. But in this moment, you know what we see? Even though he's obedient to the Father, we see the reality of his scriptural destiny that looms. Can you imagine how Jesus must have felt in that moment? Yeah, he's divine. He is fully God and fully man. But in his fully manness, there has got to be a moment of, oh my word, I kept thinking this week about, about people on death row, right? They know the hour of their death is coming. The agony that they must feel. Jesus was the same, and he was innocent, and knowing he's completely innocent, but this is what has to be done. The agony in his soul, that overwhelming sorrow that he says. Undoubtedly, he's experiencing fear over physical death, but also recognizing that in death, he'll be separated from the Father. It's not one or the other here. It's both at the same time. He's, he knows that death is coming and separation from the Father, but, but he'll, it'll, forgiveness of sins for people, all of this is just wrestling going on in his head. The normal posture for prayer was to stand. But the passage says that Jesus goes away and he falls to the ground. This shows even more the intensity of this moment. He's not standing before the Father. He falls down in his grief, and he says, God, take this cup from me. How many times have you ever asked God to take a cup away from you? The cup, the death that awaited him for the judgment of others, the responsibility to take the deserved wrath of others upon his innocent self. The end of his ask is key here. Not my will, but yours be done. Jesus is willing to align his will with God's redemptive purposes. He will obey even though God's not necessarily going to take that cup from him. He asks his disciples to watch. And what do his disciples do? Remember, we talked about their teenage boys, right? What do teenage boys do with nothing to do when they're sitting around sometimes? And they didn't have cell phones to keep them entertained. They fall asleep, right? Girls do too. It's not just boys. So they fell asleep. 
He's already in anguish, and now he feels rejected by the very ones who he was closest with. He encourages them to watch and pray again so that they don't fall into temptation because he knows that shortly the time is going to come when all of them are going to be tempted to betray him. And what do they do? A lot of them actually do. He goes away to pray a second time and asks God again, please take this cup from me. When he returns, they're sleeping again, and the passage says their eyes were heavy. They were weighed down. They were tired, but weighed down with eyes that couldn't see. At this point, they don't even know what to say to Jesus. How many of you have ever found yourself in those shoes? You have a friend who's praying for something, and you literally don't know what to say to them. I've been there. I remember a friend who had a baby. She found out halfway through the pregnancy that he would be stillborn or he would live just minutes. Marcus lived 20 minutes. I didn't know what to say to my friend. I was at a loss. Have you ever found yourself there? You don't know what to say to that person as they're praying for something that's tearing their heart apart. A third time, Jesus goes away to pray. And we don't know what he prays for here, but I, I'm guessing he's probably saying, God, please take this cup from me. When he comes back, the men are asleep again, and he tells them to wake up because the hour has come. The hour has come refers to the events that are immediately preceding, as well as the entire story from Mark 1.15 all the way through um, arriving in the reign of God in 9.1. Jesus speaks of the kingdom coming in power. And the time of fulfillment for this, Jesus is saying, it's the, the hour has come. It's the time for the fulfillment of all that's been, been said before now. If you look closely at the other Gospels, you can see that the Gospel of Mark is definitely the most vivid picture here of this passage. Of what Jesus is thinking and what he's feeling in these moments. There's no holding back from Mark when he's describing Jesus' sorrow and his anguish. In this moment, in the passage, we see the humanity of Jesus as well as the divinity of Jesus. Take this cup, the human side, right? But only if it's your will, God, the divine side. Jesus learned the cost of following the Father's will in his human condition. By following the Father's will, the innocent Jesus experienced death for our sin. Have you ever prayed, God, not my will but yours? Were you like Jesus and the Father maybe didn't answer, forcing you to take on a burden that you were hoping you might be free from? Maybe God took the cup from you. Maybe he said, okay. I've learned that sometimes God doesn't take the cup because sometimes he, he allows us to go through things because he can use us after we've gone through those things to impact the lives of others who are going to go through them at some point too. God is always listening to our prayers, both those that are spoken from our mouth and the things, the cries of our heart that we don't even want to say. When we dare to pray big prayers, we ask for God's will, not our own. God listens. Jesus prayed a big prayer that day, asking God to take the cup from him. I've known others who've prayed, asking God to take a cup from them or from someone they loved. Back to my story from earlier. Um, Jeremy and I, at that point, when our special little friend left church and, and was removed from her home, we had no idea how we would reconnect from her or with her. Um, our church continued to pray for her. 
continue to pray protection for her, to pray that she would be exactly where she needed to be, that she would be well cared for. And while our desire was to have her back among us, we just prayed, God, your will for her. Your will for her little life. Um, It was about that time that God laid on our hearts an idea to begin a partnership with an elementary school that was just under a mile from our church. And we began to go into that school and build relationship. We had been building relationship with that school for a while because our kids had gone through it, but we began to build a deeper relationship by caring for the teachers and the staff and the students of that school, loving on them in any way we could. Well, we eventually got to learn the story of one of the teachers at that school. Listen to the timeline here. Teacher, after eight years of infertility and miscarriages and praying to get pregnant, we finally surrendered to God's will. But we had a sudden sense of urgency to sign up to provide foster care. Us, we continued to pray that wherever our friend ended up, that she and all her siblings would be protected and cared for and loved. Teacher, on the very same day that we got our license, we welcomed beautiful children into our home who would eventually become our own. Us, shortly after the kids were placed, we learned that it was our teacher friend who had been praying that God would bless her and her husband with a child. She didn't just receive our special little friend into her home, she received her siblings as well. How cool is God, y'all? He opened the doors wide for these two parents who knew they couldn't have children to become a family with these three precious kids. We continue to watch our little friend grow up. She's not so little anymore. She starts high school this week. She still has that same beautiful smile and that same infectious joy that she had years ago. She has two parents who love her dearly, siblings who love her. She's growing up in a church that's supporting for her and caring for her, not the one that we knew her from, but a different church. And the coolest part is that in her middle school cross-country years, guess what? Her pastor Jeremy got to be her coach. It was pretty cool. What are the prayers that you're praying? Are you praying to God about the small things? I hope so. Are you praying God's will for the big things in your life? Oh, you better be. Are you praying to God for things that are outside the realm, your realm of possibility? Or finances, or understanding? Now you're on to something. No prayer is too big for God, no prayer is too small for God, and no prayer is outside the realm of God's possibility to work within. Remember that with God, all things are possible. I want to share a few other stories of people and see if you can relate to some of these. Prayer for a lost son who was hurt and wandering. Answer, it's not my job. I learned to fix my son. It's God's. Answer, the son is starting to come around. Prayer for freedom from clinical depression. Answer, I still have it. But God is using me to help others with similar issues like anxiety and depression. 
her struggle allowed her to help save someone's life. Prayer for a job that this person thought they wanted. This is a pastor friend of mine. Answer, they didn't want her, but God had something better. God knew where she was supposed to be. Prayer for a broken engagement and a move. Answer, God had someone else that she met a year later. Prayer for a man's need to defend himself. Answer, God is his defender. If he's doing his own defending, it's a selfish path leaving God out, and that needs to change. Prayer for answers about whether this person was needed at the hospital during the pandemic and made plans of how to be safe at home and all these things. Answer, she didn't end up getting called in. Prayer, God's will, not her own, about what she wants to see happen or the outcome that she desires. Answer, learning to practice faith that what God has planned for me is better. Keep putting my faith in him. Prayer, that my only prayer would be God's will, not mine, because it's all that matters. Answer, I've learned that I'm poorly equipped to know what I actually need or want. Prayer, for someone to spend the rest of my life with after my wife died. Answer, God didn't answer. Prayer, I asked myself, what if it wasn't God's will? And I surrendered my will to his. Answer, after I surrendered my will, I started hanging out with my new wife. And I now have someone I get to spend the rest of my life with. Not all prayers are answered the same way. Some prayers are yes, and some prayers are no. Some prayers are God saying, guess what? I've got something better. Regardless of the need, let me tell you, say this to you today. Ask it. Mark Batterson wrote a book called The Circle Maker. If you have not read that book, I highly recommend it. The entire focus of this book is letting the, it's looking at the importance of prayer and what makes what it looks like to pray circles around your biggest dreams and your greatest fears. It will challenge your prayer life. Grab a circle of friends and read this thing together, man. It will, it will challenge the way you want it. You're going to want to start circling every single thing, every person, every building. It, it just alters your prayer life. Mark says this, As an author, I've learned to pray circles around my books. As a pastor, I've learned to pray circles around our church. As a parent, I've learned to pray circles around our children. It doesn't matter what you do. You need to circle it in prayer. If you're a teacher, pray circles around your class by laying hands on the desks, or maybe an elbow right now, on the desks, and asking God to bless the students who sit there. If you're a doctor, pray circles around your patients and ask God to give you x-ray insight. If you're a politician, pray circles around your constituents you deserve, or that you serve and the legislation that you draft. If you're an entrepreneur, pray circles around your product. If you do the geometry and draw prayer circles, guess what? God's going to take care of the multiplication. Let's become a people who circle our needs and our wants and our dreams in prayer. God, your will, not mine. But here's what I'm asking. One of the greatest reasons that people do not feel intimacy with God is because they don't have a daily rhythm with him. Sometimes we have a weekly rhythm, right? This is our weekly rhythm, right? We come in on Sunday morning and this is our rhythm with God. Let me ask you this. If you're married or in a relationship or a family, you, you all have a family because you're, you live, so you have some kind of a family. Would that kind of relationship work with the people closest around you? An hour on Sunday morning. How about if you're married in here, would that work with your spouse? Probably 
Would it work with your, the person that you're dating or your best friend an hour on Sunday morning? Mm-mm. It doesn't work in God's family either. In order to have daily relationship, we have to have daily rhythms, and those rhythms start with prayer. Psalm 3, 5, 3 says this, In the morning, Lord, you hear my voice. In the morning, I lay my requests before you, and I wait expectantly. I think there's a word in there that's important for us to remember. I wait. How many of you don't wait very well? Honestly, be honest right now. Raise your hand if you don't wait very well. Okay, I say this sometimes, but some of you aren't telling the truth right now, I don't think, because there weren't enough hands up right now. We don't wait very well. We're not in a society that waits, right? We like fast food. We like instant conversations with people on the cell phone. We're all about right now, right now, right now. I think it's why so many of us are struggling with quarantine, because it forced the rhythms of our lives to slow down. What if we become a people not just of morning prayers, but a people of all-day prayers? The easy prayer part of prayer is talking, right? How many of us have done that? We come into a prayer, dear God, this is what I need, boom, 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 thank you, and then off we go. God says, no, sit with me for a little while. Sometimes I think we're so busy telling him what we want that we forget to stop and listen to what he has to say. We're so busy with our daily routine that we miss the way that he talks to us all throughout our day. I literally sometimes will find myself in tears over a sunset because I feel the presence of God so mightily. Over a waterfall. Just the way that God exists in nature speaks to me. But if we're too busy with our daily rhythms, we never get to experience those things. Prayer exercise. If you're online watching, grab your piece of paper right now. The rest of you, grab your paper that had the circle in it this morning. You're going to need it here. If you're at home, draw a big circle in the center of your paper. All right, I'm going to give you some prompts, and I want you to write something in the middle of your circle when I give you a prompt. Write a name or a situation down that comes to mind. Ready? A need, a want, or a dream for yourself. Write it in that circle right now. I know some of you don't normally do this, but I'm asking everybody, take a minute and write these down for me. A need, a want, or a dream for yourself. This has to be for yourself, no one else right now. Okay. Keep writing. The next one is a need, a want, or a dream for your spouse. Those of you not married in here, your future spouse. What do you want to see in them? A need, a want, or a dream for your children. Again, if you don't have kids yet, maybe it's for kids that you'll have one day, maybe it's for someone who's like a child in your life. Jeremy and I have lots of kids that aren't our own flesh and blood.
a need, a want, or a dream for your job. If you're behind and you want to write on the side what I said to write it for, you can write in your circle later if, you can't, if you're not keeping up. This one might be different for some of you to think about, but a need, a want, or a dream for your neighborhood. That could be as simple as, I want to know my neighbors. It's got to start there. A need, a want, or a dream for your family. A need, a want, or a dream for a friend. Do you have a friend who has a prayer need right now? What is that? Do you have a friend who needs Jesus? Put their name in there. Do you have a friend who needs grace because the church hasn't been very nice to him? Put their name in there. A need, a want, or a dream for our church. A need, a want, or a dream for anything else you can think of that I haven't stated. Friends, don't be afraid to be specific. God is not offended by bold prayers. In the book, The Circle Maker, Mark Batterson prayed. He began praying that God would provide $1 million for them to buy a building in the Washington, D.C. area. In a dream, he sensed that God was telling him, that's not enough, pray for two. So he started praying for $2 million, thinking, this is insane. Right? That dream was bigger than Mark Batterson. But guess what? God provided $3 million for them to buy that church. And a year later, within the year, God provided $4 million more for them to continue to expand that ministry all over Washington, D.C. He prayed a prayer that was bigger than he was, and look what God did. Jeremy and I have a very, some very specific prayers right now that over the last few months we've been praying over real life. Here's one of our prayers. We want $238,000. You're like, that's really specific. We want to pay the debt off on this building. We want to be debt-free. That's our specific prayer, $238,000. God will probably say, I can do more. 
God's economy is different than our own. This place is a hub for various ministries all throughout the week, and we want to begin to dream about how can this place be even more of a ministry to the people of Murfreesboro, Tennessee. How can the people sitting in this room have a hands-on impact on the lives of Murfreesboro in a way that people go, man, that's a small church, but look what they're doing. Wow, look what God's doing through them. I want to be that church. As we close, um, I want to take a minute to pray over your circles. I want, as I'm praying, I want you to pray over those names and those things that you wrote in your circle while I pray for all of us. Let's pray. God, this morning we come before you, we hold in our hands our circle, and we've written down these things. We've written down things for ourselves and our spouse and our children and our families and our jobs and our neighborhoods and all of the other things that we've listed. And God, I pray right now for each one of the requests in this room, God, that you would move in a mighty way, that you would help us to begin to speak these requests. God, that we would begin to pour these out before you, that we would become a people of all-day prayer who bring you and prayer into everything that we do. God, may we bathe all of our decisions in prayer. May we bathe our parenting in prayer. May we bathe our gathering in church in prayer. May we bathe our education in prayer. May we bathe our job in prayer. May we bathe our marriages and our children in prayer. God, your will, not ours. Here's our circles, Lord. What do you want to do through Real Life Church of the Nazarene this morning? What do you want to do through the people in this room, through the requests on these papers? God, I pray that whatever happens, that it would bring glory to your name. God, that people could not escape that it was because of God that those prayers were answered. Move in mighty and real ways. God, I pray for the ones in here who have been praying for something for so long that it seems impossible to happen. God, draw them near to you today. Remind them that praying long and waiting is what you want from us. Remind them that obedience matters and obedience is bringing those requests to you even if we don't see the answers in our lifetime. May we not give up on the prayer requests that we have. May we not give up on the ones that we love that we've been praying for for so long because God, you do some cool things when we least expect it. May we be a people of hope and a people of prayer. In your name. Remember, um, in the process of all of this, you're praying God's will, not yours. Sometimes our prayer requests change, right? We write them down, and then we realize, that's not what I'm supposed to be praying. Be willing to receive a different answer than you might expect. Be prepared to listen long. Be ready to see God move. I want you to take your circle home. Don't leave it here. I don't want to find any of these laying around here today. Take it home. I want you to put it somewhere where you're going to see it regularly. Maybe it's on the dash of your car as you drive to work every morning, and that becomes your prayer time. But start praying over that circle. The other thing I would love for some of you to do, share your circle with someone else. One of the best things that I know to do 
when I'm struggling as a pastor, as a wife, as a mom, whatever it is. I have a group of friends, and I send a text message. Most, none of them live here, actually. They're all from different phases of my life and ministry, people who have poured into me. And I send a request, and I say, today's one of those days. Sometimes that's all I put, and they know to pray. Sometimes I say a very specific prayer. Pray this over Jeremy. Pray this over me. Pray this over the kids. Pray this. I'll be specific sometimes. But they know. Just start praying. Share your prayer circle with someone. Why? Because there's power in numbers, friends. Let's start praying circles over each other's things together and see what God starts to do. And if you don't have someone to share your circle with, there's a prayer team here at the church that would love to pray for you. Share them with them. Stand with me and hold your circle this morning. Freebie tidbit. Those of you in here that aren't married that are hoping one day to be married and you maybe wrote something about a future spouse on there. Man, pray that and hold to it. Write out a list of things that you want to see in a spouse and start praying for them. Start praying over your future spouse. It's never too early. Start praying that God would lead you to them. Start praying that God would help them to be holy and that God would help them to be the person that you need them to be when you, re- when you marry them. But while you're doing that, pray that God would, you would help you to be the person that you need to be for them. It's pretty cool to see how God works. I prayed for a long time, and 23 years ago, I, that dream came true for me. Hold your circle up. May you bathe everything in your life in prayer. May God, who cares so deeply for each one of you, move in your circles in a mighty way. May your life be blessed because of your prayer life, and may you bless others because of the prayers that you pray for them. Have a great week, church. We'll see you next week.